0: We don't have to tell him. (laughs) But the truth is that struggling with the hard stories is where we often learn and grow the most. Struggling with the stories that don't make sense, even the stories that we really don't like. And so for me, that means there's a lot of potential for learning and growth every time I approach one of Paul's letters. And Second Corinthians is one of the more challenging of Paul's letters because it's written at a time when his relationship with the church in Corinth was really rocky. So in this letter, he's defending his authority as an apostle because there's competition from outside missionaries. And so he's feeling a little defensive and he approaches his defense from many different angles and with many different emotions. But woven throughout this letter is the theme of power in weakness. Power in weakness, treasure in clay jars. At the time when Paul was writing, clay jars were used to store and transport many different goods. They were cheap, fragile, and disposable. They were the plastic containers of the ancient world. But unlike plastic, clay jars have a very close relationship to the earth, to the materials from which they're made, and close relationship to the maker, Of the jars. So the earth itself provides that raw material, that fine particulate that hardens into a rock-like surface when it dries out. If you're a farmer or you know a farmer, or you're from the prairies, you probably know that farmers aren't very fond of clay soil. When it's wet it's a sticky gooey mess cars get stuck and rubber boots get sucked right off of your feet. And when it dries out, it repels water. And it keeps the water from getting to the roots of the crop. And it has very little organic matter in it to nourish those crops. But way back in ancient history, someone figured out that those very qualities that make us angry that frustrate us if we're trying to grow something make clay an extremely valuable material for human use so they dug it up they added water they shaped it into vessels and fired it to harden into cooking pots and containers everyday dishes and beautiful ceremonial vases and urns earth Water, fire, and human hands work together to create something new and useful and accessible to everybody. And that tradition has carried right down to to today. So many potters now buy their clay and buy their glazes, but that close connection to the earth through their craft still persists. And some potters still strive for an even more intimate connection by harvesting their own materials. So my Cumberland friends might remember my stories about Mort. He was a university friend of my husband Harvey's and he lived and made his living as a potter in southern Saskatchewan. And Mart's dream was to use nothing but native materials in his pottery. So he dug his own clay, he screened it and sifted it and processed it until it was ready to be thrown onto a wheel and turned into a bowl or a pitcher or a plate. Same thing for his glazes nothing was purchased. The materials, the minerals he used, were all from the surrounding countryside, purified and tested until he could be fairly sure of the colors they would produce. But if you're a potter, you know that glazes always surprise you. Our cupboards at home are full of the work of Mart's hands and the raw materials of the South Saskatchewan clay banks, linking us to our friends and our prairie roots. But of course, pottery is fragile and easily broken. cracked and that's the quality that Paul seems to emphasize in the passage that we just heard he relates his own weakness to that of a clay jar he is afflicted perplexed persecuted and struck down he confesses his own human frailty and failing just as a rough clay jar seems like an unlikely container for a treasure Paul knows himself to be an unlikely container for the knowledge of the glory of God. And don't we all feel that way? Aren't we all only too aware of our own human weaknesses and fragility? Maybe you or someone close to you is struggling with illness or injury or a mental or physical disability. Maybe the dishonesty and the meanness so prominent now in public life and discourse just makes you puzzled and perplexed. Maybe as a person of color or a refugee, a transgender or homosexual person, a woman, a person living in poverty. Maybe as one or more of those, you are the victim of discrimination and violence. And maybe as a church, as local congregations, as the the wider church in Canada, we worry about the vulnerability of the structures that we have built, whether those are the physical structures where we worship or the governing bodies that we elect and support. But Paul insists that God has chosen him and therefore chosen us to be the containers of God's treasure, to carry the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul insists that we are not crushed or despairing or forsaken or destroyed because we are the life of Jesus made visible. We are the life of Jesus made visible because God in Jesus has chosen to join us in our imperfect bodies in an imperfect world. God in Jesus has chosen to shine in the middle of creation, in the middle of our messy lives. God did not enter creation as a wealthy businessman or a powerful prince, but as a brown peasant in a conquered land. The treasure of God's glory is not on display under spotlights in a heavily guarded museum or palace. It is not like bitcoins, an imaginary currency existing only in ultra secure digital format. It is real. God's treasure is real and it lives in the commonplace, the mundane, the vulnerable, and the oppressed. Treasure in clay jars, incarnation, God entering our world to share our suffering and oppression. In fact, Liberation theology challenges us to see Christ in those who are oppressed and to follow him there. In liberation theology, we are challenged to understand Jesus as black, as indigenous, as disabled, as female. James Cone was an American black liberation theologian who just died about a month ago. And in his 1997 book, God of the Oppressed, he put it this way. Jesus Christ is not a proposition, not a theological concept, which exists merely in our heads. He is an event of liberation, a happening in the lives of of oppressed people struggling for political freedom. Therefore, to know him, to know Jesus is to encounter him in the history of the weak and the helpless. This is why it can be rightly said that there can be no knowledge of Jesus independent of the history and culture of the oppressed. It is impossible to interpret the scripture correctly and thus understand Jesus aright, unless the interpretation is done in the light of the consciousness of the oppressed in their struggle for liberation. These are strong and kind of frightening words. For Jesus to be made visible in us, we must follow him into lives of sacrifice and service rather than wealth and privilege into the struggle for liberation. Or as Paul puts it, to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. Your slaves for Jesus' sake. Paul is speaking of his own call to act as apostle and servant to the Christians in Corinth. But who are we called to serve today? Some of us, like Ingrid, are called to serve God by ministering to Christ's body, the church. Many of you here are called to serve the poor and the homeless through your lunch and your drop-in program and your safe haven refugee project. Some of you are called to fight oppression on many different fronts, working for racial or economic inequality, painting crossroads, crosswalk rainbows to symbolize lgbtq inclusion walking with indigenous defenders of the land whenever you accompany honor and serve those with less power and privilege than yourself you are holding and sharing holding and sharing the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so, as clay jars carrying this treasure, expressing the love and light of God in the midst of hatred and death, we are strengthened and encouraged by Paul's promise. We are afflicted but not crushed, perplexed but not despairing, Persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. The great grace of the Christian story is that in Jesus, God gives us a new covenant and we celebrate it in the sacrament of holy communion. In Jesus, God self entered creation and became, became the very clay from which God began to build a new world to contain the treasure of God's love. This new plan gives us yet another chance to become transformed into the covenant partners God needs to heal ourselves and our creation and our beautifully complex but broken web of relationships. Let us pray. Holy One, we thank you for the gift of your treasure in clay jars. Christ made visible to us in mortal flesh to strengthen and encourage us as we seek to serve God's hurting world. Amen.